Bonnie Glazer, director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C. In this episode of the China Power podcast, we're discussing China's new naval base in Djibouti, which is located in the Horn of Africa. This facility is the first overseas military base for China's Navy. What are China's strategic objectives in establishing this facility? And what ambitions does the Chinese military have in Africa and around the world? To help us analyze these questions, we're speaking with Dr. Erica Downs and Dr. Jeffrey Becker, senior analysts in the Center for Naval Analyses China Studies Division. Dr. Downs and Becker are the authors of a July 2017 report on this topic entitled China's Military Support Facility in Djibouti, the Economic and Security Dimensions of China's First Overseas Base. Eric and Jeff, thanks for joining us today. So let me start out by asking a broad question about the, uh, the base that China has established in Djibouti. Apparently, August 1st, 2017 was when this facility first first opened. And I have referred to it as a, a base, but I want to ask you whether you think it's accurate to call this facility a military base. In what ways is it similar to and different from U.S. military bases around the world? Jeff? So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely accurate to refer to it at a base at this point. And, and the Chinese themselves have finally begun calling it a base as well. Uh, but it did. It took them a long time to get to this point, though. And I, I think part of their problem was the fact that China has had a longstanding opposition to having military bases abroad. Uh, for a long time, China would routinely complain about U.S. hegemonic overseas bases. Uh, and they even mentioned in their, I think it was the 2000 National Defense White Paper, that they would never uh, have an overseas base. So this is a real shift for them. Uh, but the, the base agreement when it was announced, I believe, in 2015. And even in 2016, uh, you had Chinese foreign ministry statements still refusing to call it a base. They were talking about infrastructure facilities or Chinese foreign logistics capacity. But what really changed was in July 2017, there was a send-off ceremony in the South Sea Fleet uh, home port in South China to send the troops to Djibouti. And during that sending ceremony, the PLA started to refer to it as specifically not just a base, but a support base in Chinese, a Baozhang Jidi. And the Chinese military lexicon, this support base, it has implications for the types of operations that the base engages in. And that's anything from reconnaissance operations, collecting meteorological weather data, uh, providing support for communications operations and, and, and intelligence collections. So at this point, the Chinese are, are specifically referring to it as a base, yes. The United States, when it has bases overseas, it has status of forces agreements, what we call SOFA. Do the Chinese have a SOFA agreement for this base? Do we know? Uh, it's, it's unclear to me at this point. Um, I do know that in terms of comparing it to uh, U.S. naval bases abroad, uh, it's, it's still early days for the Chinese use in Djibouti. And so I think we'll learn more as time goes on. And, and it's, it's hard. There's not one size fits all for a U.S. naval base. So I think it's, it, it's still early to understand what the Chinese are going to be using it for. So, Erica, Djibouti may seem like an odd choice for a military base to some, uh, pretty far away from China. So why did the Chinese decide to station forces here in Djibouti? Why did they choose this place as their first uh, overseas naval base? 
think there are probably several reasons behind China's decision to make Djibouti its first overseas base. Uh, the first one is that China has been participating in anti-piracy task forces in the Gulf of Aden, and these task forces really highlighted the utility of having a permanent place in the region where Chinese ships could refuel, resupply, and rest. A second, in 2015, China evacuated citizens and some foreign nationals from Yemen to Djibouti. Uh, and this exercise, again, underscored the utility of having a permanent place in the region. A third reason is that Djibouti is a stable country in an unstable part of the world. A fourth reason is that Djibouti is very welcoming to foreign militaries. Before the Chinese set up shop there, there were already six foreign militaries with a presence in Djibouti. And finally, Djibouti is close to the Indian Ocean, through which a lot of China's trade, including a big chunk of its oil imports, travel. So, Jeff, you mentioned earlier that in 2000, in the Chinese defense white paper that the Chinese had said that they would never establish a military base overseas. And yet, here we are in Djibouti with this base. So what does that tell you about China's military strategy? Is this a major shift for China? Um, and what were the real key drivers behind China's decision to set up this base? Well, I, I think the short answer is it certainly is a, a shift in Chinese naval strategy. Uh, in terms of drivers, uh, directly, I think that you know the Gulf of Aden counterpiracy escort operations uh, that the Chinese began conducting in 2008. That was a real impetus uh, for the decision to really begin thinking about building a, a permanent facility in the region, uh, and that really started the conversation as early as 2009. Uh, you had people like retired Rear Admiral Yin Zhuo, who's still affiliated with uh, the Naval Research Institute, which is the PLA Navy's primary think tank arguing in, in public editorials that China needed permanent facilities for repair and resupply in the region to, uh, to support these, these counter-piracy task force operations. Um, but in terms of, of naval strategy, I, I think this is definitely a shift. And most importantly, I think it's a, it's a concrete manifestation of China's new naval strategy, its near-seas defense, far-seas protection naval strategy that was outlined in the 2015 white paper. And just to summarize, uh, this was the idea that the PLA Navy was going to be responsible not only for defending China's maritime rights and interests in the near seas, in, in the first island chain, in the area, sort of traditional operating area, but also in the far seas. As China's uh, national interests, security interests in the far seas grow, the PLA Navy would have a greater role to play in protecting those interests. So I think this is a real sort of uh, manifestation of that. Can you talk in a little bit more detail about the kind of facilities that the Chinese have um, at this base and also how we know? So is it essentially from reading the Chinese media? Is it from uh, satellite um, imagery? Uh, I've talked to some reporters who have been to Djibouti, visited the American base, the Japanese base, but they haven't been able to get on Chinese base. Do you know people, for example, who visited the base. So what are the primary sources and what are the kinds of facilities that they have? And what does that tell you about the kind of operations that the base is intended to facilitate? 
First, I just say that I think they've been pretty active, and you can see in, in Chinese reporting, in Chinese media reporting, CCTV as well, for example, they've been conducting a number of operations. Uh, as we mentioned, the base officially opened in August 1st, which was the founding, uh, the anniversary of the founding of the Chinese military. Uh, since then, they've conducted at least two live fire exercises that I'm aware of, both of which have been reported in the Chinese media, one in September and one in November. And just recently, CCTV had a report on a, another exercise I think they just recently completed that they referred to as Operation uh, Fierce Lion, I think was the Chinese name. Uh, so they've been doing quite a lot. Uh, in terms of Chinese facilities, it's been reported that, the, well, the base is right next to the Dorle multi-purpose port, which was uh, built by Chinese state-owned enterprise. Um, and the PLA Navy has one of the berths that's exclusively, exclusively dedicated for its own use. And, and according to the, to the, the specs on, on the berth, uh, that can support uh, all but the largest ships in the PLA Navy's fleet. Um, in addition, however, I've seen additional reports that indicate that the Chinese are currently building their own docking facilities on within the PLA Navy base as well. And of course, this is going to increase the number of ships they can support, but I, my own assumption is it's probably going to allow them to support larger ships as well, such as uh, possibly the Chinese uh, amphibious transports, the, the, the LPDs. And the reason I, I think this, this would make sense because uh, these would be used in certain contingency scenarios, such as responding to non-combatant evacuation operations uh, or conducting uh, humanitarian assistance disaster relief operations. So it would make sense that the Chinese would want to be able to service those ships. And then in terms of uh, the other facilities they have on the base, it's been reported in the Chinese media, uh, some, of the, some of the mundane things you would expect them to have, barracks, uh, storage and maintenance facilities, helicopter pads, that sort of thing. Uh, in terms of operations that the base can support, uh, the Chinese have been very upfront uh, reporting that the base will be used to support counter-piracy operations in the Gulf of Aden. Uh, but we know that the Chinese have a large number of UN peacekeepers in nearby Sudan, and uh, the base could be used to support peacekeeping operations. Also, as, as Erica alluded to, the base is right on the Mendab Straits, and that's a major maritime choke point. Uh, so the base could help to maintain access to this uh, sea line of communication for the Chinese as well. And then, given the number of foreign militaries operating in Djibouti, it could be it's well positioned for intelligence collection. So there are a number of possibilities for what the base could be used for. So, Erica, does having such a base help China to promote its economic ties with Djibouti and with Africa more broadly? And does this base in any way connect to China's Belt and Road Initiative, its big grand Obor project? So there's certainly a direct link between the base and China's economic ties to Djibouti in that China pays the government of Djibouti rent for the base. However, I think it's important to note that China's economic activities in Djibouti have a logic of their own. By and large, most of the Chinese companies in Djibouti are there as part of their broader search for new markets and for new business opportunities abroad. A great example of this is the Ethiopia-Djibouti Railway, which began commercial operations earlier this month. 
Chinese rail companies and the Chinese government are really proud of this railway because it's the first overseas railway that's an all-China affair. And what I mean by that is that Chinese companies planned, designed, supplied, built, and are now operating and managing this railway. And there's a real hope within the Chinese government and within the rail industry that other countries in Africa and further afield will see this project and decide that they want to hire China for all of their railway needs. So for Chinese companies in Djibouti, it's first and foremost about uh, finding new business opportunities. Uh, when it comes to the Belt and Road Initiative, I'd say that both China's economic and military presence in Djibouti are supportive of this. Uh, in terms of China's economic presence, some of the big ticket infrastructure projects that they've been involved in there, uh, notably the Ethiopia Djibouti Railway and also the Dorale multi-purpose port, uh, which will be connected to this railway if it isn't already. Uh, these are the very these infrastructure projects are forging the very type of regional connectivity uh, that the Belt and Road Initiative aspires to create. Uh, moreover, in terms of the military base in Djibouti, uh, I see that having a role in supporting the Belt and Road Initiative in that it puts China's military in a position to, or a better position to protect Chinese individuals, Chinese citizens and assets abroad, and perhaps to contribute to the free flow of trade uh, in the sea lanes. Jeff, we talked about the U.S. and Japan also having bases in Djibouti. So how should we view China's presence? Is this very competitive with the United States and our ally Japan? Or is there potential for cooperation? Might there be opportunities for the various militaries that are in Djibouti to work together in some contingencies? Well, first, I, I do think that there's potential for some tension and some uh, some competition in, in in Djibouti, just with regard to the number of foreign militaries that are present there. Uh, as you said, it's a busy busy place. Um, there are seven different militaries right now operating in Djibouti. Uh, I believe Saudi Arabia currently is working on an agreement as, as well, which could bring uh, the number up to eight. And I mean, you have to remember this is a country roughly the size of New Jersey. Uh, so there's potential for competition over space and resources within the ports uh, as the uh, Doralay multi-purpose port becomes uh, more highly trafficked and then just within the military, the firing ranges um, and the available space and, and resources. At the same time, though, I definitely think there are opportunities for cooperation. Uh, both the U.S. and China, they're already participating in the U.N.-sanctioned counter-piracy operations in the Gulf of Aden, and they've already conducted uh, counter-piracy exercises with each other in the Gulf and then elsewhere as well. So in addition, I think there are also overlapping interests that the United States and China have in the region in terms of being able to respond during times of crises. I think there's a possibility for cooperation in terms of humanitarian assistance, disaster relief operations, uh, potential for cooperation in terms of non-combatant evacuation operations, NEOs, or even possibly in terms of counterterrorism. So I, I definitely think there are areas for cooperation, even though it may be tense at times. I'd like to look beyond Djibouti a bit and have you talk about some of the other reported uh, basing arrangements or purchases of ports uh, by China that may evolve into military bases in the future. Um, two in particular uh, uh, are the uh, Chinese acquisition at uh, Gwadar in Pakistan and uh, the Hambantota uh, port in Sri Lanka. So could you talk a little bit about uh, 
whether these facilities you think will end up evolving into bases like Djibouti? Is this a blueprint for the future? And what exactly is China's broader strategy here? Many people, I think, are asking the questions, uh, does China now have global ambitions? Does it want to be a global global naval power? And then, of course, what does this mean for uh, the United States? So why don't we start with you, Erica? Sure. First, I think it's important to note that although there's been a lot of speculation in the media that China will establish military bases at Gwadar and Hambantota, there have not yet been any official announcements from the Chinese, the Pakistanis, or the Sri Lankans. Uh, That said, it's not just observers outside of China that are looking at these places as potential Chinese military bases. There are analysts in China who are looking at them as well. Back in 2014, researchers at China's Naval Research Institute, which Jeff mentioned earlier is the think tank for China's Navy, uh, they published an article in which they listed a number of locations in the Indian Ocean that they thought were candidates for a Chinese overseas military base. And Djibouti, Hambantota, and Gwadar were all on that list. So it's definitely worth keeping an eye on these places. Um, Our view is that Djibouti uh, probably will not be China's last overseas military base, uh, but we expect that the establishment of future bases uh, will not occur at a rapid pace. Uh, It's worth noting that there was nearly a 10-year gap Uh, from when China started participating in anti-piracy task forces in the Gulf of Aden and when they opened their base in Djibouti. So it would not surprise us if China waited a few years to see how things are going at Djibouti before they set up shop somewhere else. So what were the indicators that led you to conclude that Djibouti was no longer just a facility at a port and was now a military base. What are the kinds of things that we have to look for in future possible facility, Hambantota or Guadar or someplace else, becoming a base rather than just being some overseas facility or access to a port? In terms of infrastructure um, and looking at the connection between infrastructure and future overseas bases, you know, we only have an N of one in the case of Djibouti. uh, But, you know, that being said, uh, it's worth noting that there you you do have Chinese involvement in a major port project, um, as well as a rail project that, if it's not already, will be connected to that that port. And so I think that's one of the reasons that people are keeping an eye on Gwadar and Sri Lanka, that in Gwadar, uh, the port there was built by a Chinese state-owned enterprise uh, at the beginning of the century. It's now run by another Chinese state-owned enterprise. Uh, and in Djibouti, you have the Dorle multi-purpose Purpose port, which is right next to the base, and in fact, one berth at the port is being used by the Chinese Navy. That port in Djibouti is partially owned by a Chinese state-owned enterprise, which also has a role in running it. Um, so that's one of the reasons people are probably looking to this, that there seems to be an expectation that if there is a port that's built by the Chinese, and even better, if it's a port that's being uh, operated by the Chinese right now, that might be a place where Chinese, the Chinese Navy might go next. 
And we've also seen the Chinese Naval Research Institute, the researchers there who were writing about um, where China should establish overseas bases, they did have a line in their article about how uh, they should focus on places where Chinese state-owned enterprises have commercial operations. So as the Chinese naval presence expands, um, there is certainly a potential uh, that China's activities uh, with its navy will bump up against uh, naval presence and activities of the United States. So what does China's expanded global naval presence then mean for the United States? Is this likely to cause um, more friction between the U.S. and China? Um, we talked earlier about the potential for cooperation. Is there potential uh, for more for joint military exercises, for uh, coordinating with the U.S. on our military operations in Africa in a positive way? Or um, uh, are we really seeing uh, the increased potential for maybe accident or conflict with the United States? Well, I, I think it's it's clear that the Chinese Navy is already operating globally. Um, in addition to the, the counter-piracy task force operations in the Gulf of Aden, um, the most recent One Belt, One Road task force went and visited, I believe, somewhere around 26 different countries uh, along the Maritime Silk Route. Uh, it's conducted exercises with the Russian Navy, not just in the Pacific, but in the Mediterranean and the Baltics. Uh, the hospital ship, the Peace Ark, has been conducting humanitarian operations in the Caribbean and Latin America. So China's really a global navy. Uh, and at, at this point, I, I, I definitely think that as the Chinese navy becomes more and more active, uh, the United States and the Chinese navy are going to be operating at, at close quarters. Um, and every anytime you have these foreign militaries operating closely together, there's a potential for miscommunication or accidents, as you noted. Um, at the same time, though, both sides are aware of this, and they've worked hard to develop habits of cooperation to avoid those types of accidents. For example, they've passed CUES, the Code for Unplanned Encounters at Sea. That helps to provide a roadmap for how navies interact with each other. The two navies have also passed rules of behavior governing maritime encounters and air-to-air -air encounters as well. So there's no reason to believe that the two sides can't continue to find ways to mitigate the potential danger for miscommunication. Finally, let me ask... Uh Many countries around the world are seeing the establishment of this base as a real security threat. Uh, India would be one. I think Japan, to some extent, sees it as a threat. Um, and I think, to some extent, many in the United States do. Is this something that you think should be looked at by countries as a security or economic threat? My sense is that the China's presence in Djibouti, both economic and military, provides both opportunities and challenges for the United States and for other countries. Uh, and if we just look at uh, the civilian and military infrastructure there, um, I think that nicely illustrates this point. Uh, if you look at the rail and the ports that the Chinese have built there, roads that they're building in Djibouti, these are not for the exclusive use of the Chinese, uh, that other countries can sail into the Dorle multipurpose port, other countries can drive on the roads. So I do see the infrastructure being built by China, um, especially the the civilian stuff as being a public good from which many countries can benefit. Um, you know, in, in terms of the challenges side, Jeff had alluded to uh, some of this earlier, that 
it looks like with the Chinese base in Djibouti, with the port and the railway now operating, that Djibouti is probably going to be a much more crowded place. You know, that if you look at ships, for example, and it's already already pretty crowded, but if you look at ships, for example, we're now going to have Chinese uh, military ships sailing in and out of there, probably more commercial ships, uh, certainly commercial ships uh, from third countries. And so there's going to be, you know, a lot of congestion, and sometimes congestion can be dangerous. Um, the other thing I'd add is that the Chinese, I think, are, are well aware of the fact that uh, other countries see this base as threatening. And if you look at the way they've talked about it, they've been very careful uh, to emphasize all the ways in which they are contributing to the greater public good. Uh, when the base opened up and official press reports talked about what it was going to be used for, you know, they obviously only emphasize the positive, that it was going to be used for um, humanitarian assistance, for disaster relief, for evacuations. And even when they talked about the sea lanes, they weren't saying, oh, we're going to go out and keep the sea lanes open, You know, that, that the language they use indicated that they were going to work with others, that this was going to be a cooperative endeavor. Great. Well, we will have to watch closely what the Chinese do in Djibouti and beyond, uh, where they may build uh, bases in the future. Thank you, Erica Downs and Jeff Becker, for being on the China Power Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.